Well, thankful to be here, to be worshiping the Lord with His people, and uh, just so thankful that God has given me the opportunity to serve Him here, to declare His Word to you. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 6 this morning. I really was struggling early on about um, what I was going to preach on. The Lord had brought so many things to my attention during the week, and I was going back and forth. And I actually looked at Matthew chapter 6. I know it's the next uh, thing in line here on the Sermon on the Mount, and it had to do with something that I was, I'd actually been praying the Lord about, praying to Him about. Uh, just to have a genuine heart, and and so the Word of God brings us today to the issue of hypocrisy. And I first want to read the Scripture, and it is verse 1 through 4 of chapter 6. And the Lord says this, Take heed that ye do not your alms before men, to be seen of them. Otherwise ye have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. Therefore, when thou doest thine alms, do not sound a trumpet before thee, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory of men. Verily I I say unto you, they have their reward But when thou doest alms, let not thy left hand know what thy right hand doeth. That thine alms may be in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret, himself shall reward thee openly. Please join me in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord gracious God, we come to your throne of grace, uh, and we... Thank you for giving us this day to be here and worship you and to look at your word and look hard at ourselves and that we would come to your word humbly and take you at your word and believe it. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I heard recently, I think I shared this with somebody here, Um, I heard a preacher say that a good sermon ought to do a few things. It ought to teach us, it ought to instruct us, it ought to inspire us, but it also ought to tan our hides. And um, the Bible often does that if we honestly look at it. And this issue of hypocrisy is a serious matter. And it's something we all struggle with from time to time. Hypocrisy has always existed and been a problem within the church. Even from the beginning. You know, Judas 
uh, and his hypocrisy. We have Ananias and Sapphira in the churches in its infancy lying to the face of God, pretending to do something, pretending to be holy when they're putting on a show in order to look good in front of other people in Acts chapter 5 there. We even have faithful Peter at one point playing the hypocrite in Galatians 2, eating with Gentiles, and then when certain Jews came in, he withdrew himself from those Gentiles. He didn't want to, he didn't want to look unholy. He separated himself from those Gentiles, of which Paul rebukes his hypocrisy. We see hypocrisy everywhere today. We can sort of understand that the world is hypocritical and plays the hypocrite constantly. But it's truly tragic that the confessing church does just that. And its people play the hypocrite, pretending to serve God, but are more concerned with being men-pleasers and really only serve men. And brothers and sisters, I don't want that. I don't want to be a men-pleaser. And if you're truly in Christ, you don't want to either. But we find ourselves sometimes in that position And we live in an age, in a time, when absolute truth is despised. It's like anything but truth is worthy to be preached in this world. When every lie of man is exalted and celebrated, and the Word of God is diminished and thrown down. And I'm not just talking about out in the world. I'm talking about in the confessing church. And that's very grievous to me. We're witnessing a great falling away when even those who say they're Bible-believing, born-again, evangelical Christians are truly ashamed of the gospel. In fact, <clears throat> I will make a bold claim that may not make me popular even here, that every single church, including this one, is in some degree seeking to please men over God and is influenced, in many cases, has even adopted the world's viewpoints and perspectives over God's perspective. And I love you all deeply, but we're here to serve the Lord. And so let's not play a religious game. Let's not play like we're in a show. Because I'm not here behind this pulpit, and, and none of us who preach are to please you. We're here to please God. And I want you to know, and I think for those others who preach, feel the same weight. 
that that's hard sometimes to really grasp that. No one wants to be hated. No one wants to be uh, contentious on purpose. But we're, and I stand here to please the Lord, and I must be faithful to the Lord because He's the one who redeemed me. And understand this also, that I don't preach this just to you, but to me. So let judgment begin at the house of God. I have, as all of us have at various times, been guilty of hypocrisy and have feared man and not God and have been so concerned about our own image and what others think and cared very little about what God has thought. Within the confessing church, instead of giving God the glory for every, even our very being, we often find ourselves bragging on each other. What a good man or woman and I am I. Instead of emphatically telling the lost to come to Christ, we tell them come to church. Let me invite you to church. The church today is so pragmatic and success-oriented, it is success-centered and not gospel-centered. We are either going to be about the gospel or we're going to be men-pleasers. And before you say, oh, brother, we're going to be about the gospel... If you have this pragmatic view, you know, you see these signs on churches when you go up down the road that said, all are welcome. That's a pragmatic worldly view. And let me tell you why. Don't misunderstand me. But if you have that view, you've already compromised the gospel. Because I'm not saying that we start refu stop, you know, refuse people from coming in or uh, you know, not allow certain people to come. But what I'm saying is this, if you have this mentality of all are welcome, you're just saying it don't matter what you believe, it don't matter what you're doing, uh, you know, come to our church. You don't even have to change your life. We'll make it easy for you. you we don't talk about no fire and brimstone here. We're not going to talk about that. We'll make it easy for you. That's that all are welcome mentality. That's the world's mentality. That's humanism. Even just that is a compromising of the gospel. And we don't, see, we don't think of things like that as very serious. But think about it. And then it starts to paint a picture of where is there not hypocrisy? Most have become an enterprise for profit instead of a Ministry to advance the kingdom of God. It has become showtime religion instead of the old time religion. We neglect our responsibilities to God 
but we elevate our privileges under grace. We too often speak of God's grace as if it's a cheap thing, that uh, it's common instead of the great costly jewel that it is. I think we're reminded of that, taking the Lord's Supper. And I'm so thankful that we in this church take the Lord's Supper every Sunday because that is a reminder of the costliness of the grace of God. It's not a common thing. It's not just something I can pull out of my pocket. It's nothing new that people in the world want churches to pander to them. But what is new is to the extent that the confessing church has been willing to oblige them. We've got a hundred different Bible versions and we wonder why we're lacking unity. We're more careful in how we look to others than how we look to God. You see, if I owe you something, if we owe each other something, we'll, we'll pay it back. We want to be seen as, you know, a, a person of integrity. I owe you something, I'll pay you back. But then when it comes to what I owe God, I start checking to see if I'm able. So the, wor the Word of God today draws our attention to this issue of hypocrisy and reminds us of just how much God hates it. Yes, we've all been guilty of this thing of hypocrisy from time to time at different levels, different degrees. But that doesn't mean we cheapen grace by saying, well, that's just how it is. No, we it's something to repent of. It's something to flee from hypocrisy. God hates hypocrisy. I want to draw your attention to a few verses uh, that really show us that. Uh, first, let's go to um, Amos 5.21. Amos 5.21. And the Lord says this, <clears throat> I hate, I despise your feast days. I will not smell in your solemn assemblies. Though ye offer me burnt offerings and your meat offerings, I will not accept them. Neither will I regard the peace offerings of your fat beasts. Take thou away from me the noise of thy songs, for I will not hear the melody of thy vials. But let judgment run down as waters and righteousness as a mighty stream. Have ye offered unto me sacrifices and offerings in the wilderness forty years, O house of Israel? But ye have borne the tabernacle of your Moloch, and cheun your images, the star of your God which ye made to yourselves. Therefore will I cause you to go into captivity, because beyond Damascus, saith the Lord, whose name is the God of hosts. So right there, God is saying, I despise these very things that I set up. 
because you're two-timing. Because you're playing the hypocrite. You're pretending that you're worshiping me. You're coming to temple. You're doing the sacrifices. You're singing the songs. But your heart isn't in it. You're, you're, he says, you set up a tabernacle there in verse 26. You have borne the tabernacle of your Moloch, this false god, this idol, which you have made unto yourselves. You made a God to suit your own needs. You, you made a God out to be like you. And I'm not like you, the Lord says. He says, take, in verse 23, take thou away from me the noise of thy songs. Oh, they came and sang the songs and they sang them beautifully. He says, take it away. I don't want to hear that. Because you're in hypocrisy. It's only external. It's only a show. You're playing a game. And you think you can hide it from me and it's, I see it all. He says in verse 24, but let the judgment run down as waters and righteousness as a mighty stream. That's the, that's the true standard right there. Not your external singing of songs and not your uh, sacrifices that you make on the outside. But true judgment, let it run down as waters and righteousness as a mighty stream. Let righteousness be as a mighty stream. This is the character of God. Amen. And it's something that can't be manufactured. It's something that we can't even grab hold of without an intimate relationship with God Himself. Let's look at Galatians 1.10. Paul here in Galatians 1.10 defending his apostleship. He says, For do I now persuade men or God? Or yet do I seek to please men? For if I yet please men, I should not be the servant of Christ. True allegiance to God is a disavowing of the world. You cannot serve God and be a man pleaser. He says it right there. If I yet pleased men, I should not be the servant of Christ. Because the opposite is true. If you're going to serve Christ, I guarantee you, you won't be able to please men. Because you make an enemy of the world automatically. Isaiah 9.17 Therefore the Lord shall have no joy in their young men, neither shall have mercy on their fatherless and widows, for every one is an hypocrite an evildoer, and every mouth speaketh folly. For all this, his anger is not turned away, but his hand is stretched out still. Even there says he's going to remove the mercy from the fatherless, from the, the, that is the orphan, from the, from the widows, because every one is a hypocrite.
And notice the connection between that and an evildoer. Every mouth speaketh folly. As it says in the New Testament, I forget the, the address, but let God be true and every man a liar. God will judge hypocrisy. That's what these scriptures here are saying. God will judge hypocrisy. It's something we ought to flee from. You can't fool God. Jesus said you can't serve two masters. You can't serve God and money. Interestingly, hypocrisy oftentimes, not always, but is tied to serving money. This word hypocrite is Hypocrites in the Greek. And it, the definition is an actor, a stage player. And where the Lord says in verse 1 of chapter 6 of Matthew, do not your alms before men to be seen of men. The word seen is theaomaahi. And it means to... Behold, to look upon, to view attentively, often used in public shows. Interestingly, this word in the Greek, the first four letters are the same first four letters of the English word theater. So Jesus is warning here as he says, take heed or beware of He's saying, do not be an actor on a stage, putting on a show. Don't play the game of religion. <coughs> Jesus gave many rebukes throughout his ministry, but none harsher and more scathing than he gave the hypocrites in Matthew 23. Let's go there now. Matthew 23, I'm going to start in verse 13. But woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For ye shut up the kingdom of heaven against men, for ye neither go in yourselves, neither suffer ye them that are entering to go in. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For ye devour widows' houses, and for a pretense make long prayer. Therefore ye shall receive the greater damnation. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For ye compass sea and land to make one proselyte. And when he is made, ye make him twofold more the child of hell than yourselves. Woe unto you, ye blind gods, which say, Whosoever shall swear by the temple, it is nothing. But whosoever shall swear by the gold of the temple, he is a debtor. Ye fools and blind, for whether is greater the gold or the temple that sanctifieth the gold. And whosoever shall swear by the altar, it is nothing. But whosoever sweareth by the gift that is upon it, he is guilty. Ye fools and blind, for whether is greater the gift 
or the altar that sanctifieth the gift. Whosoever therefore shall swear by the altar, sweareth by it and by all things thereon. And whoso shall swear by the temple, sweareth by it and by him that dwelleth therein. And he that shall swear by heaven sweareth by the throne of God and by him that sitteth thereon. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin and have omitted the weightier matters of the law, judgment, mercy, and faith. These ought ye have to have done and not to leave the other undone. Ye blind gods which strain at a gnat and swallow a camel. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For ye make clean the outside of the cup and of the platter, but within they are full of extortion and excess. Thou blind Pharisee, cleanse first that which is within the cup and platter, that the outside of them may be clean also. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye are like unto the whited sepulchres, which indeed appear beautiful outward, but are within full of dead men's bones and of all uncleanness. Even so ye also outwardly appear righteous unto men, but within ye are full of hypocrisy and iniquity. I could continue past verse 28, but for the sake of time, I'll stop us there. But just here in the entire chapter 23, the Lord calls them hypocrites eight times. And notice the emphatic verbiage and punctuation, exclamation points all through that. So Jesus isn't going up there and saying in a meek and mild way, man, you guys are hypocrites, you know. No, he's... He's rebuking them with authority, with the authority of the Word of God. I want want to point out in verse 14, he says, You devour widows' houses and for a pretense make long prayer. Because of what you're doing, your very actions, you're causing the widow to suffer and then you make long prayers. He says, you're a hypocrite there. And he says, you shall receive the greater damnation. The greater damnation. So, according to Jesus, there's a greater damnation that these people that are called hypocrites will receive. He says in verse 15, You compass sea and land and you go all over the place trying to convert people to believe like you and proselytize. And when he is made, you make him twofold more the child of hell than yourselves. You want followers. You don't care that you're you're destroying their lives. You just want them to be like you. You want them to follow you. You're not pointing them to God. You're pointing them to yourself. He calls them blind gods in verse 16. 
And then he starts talking about how they swear on all these things, these little things. They swear by the gold, but not the temple. They swear by the gift, but not the altar. He says in verse 21, Whosoever shall swear by the temple, which is what you're doing, sweareth by it and by him that dwelleth therein. Now who is that? Almighty God. And he clarifies that even more when he says in the next verse, And he that shall swear by heaven sweareth by the throne of God and by him that sitteth thereon. But they were putting on a show, swearing by all these things and even invoking the holiness of God. And they're putting on a show to be seen of men. In verse 23, he says, Woe to you, scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye tithe these little things, mint, cumin, anise. You've omitted the weightier matters of the law. Because you're more worried about what people can see than you're worried about what God can see. You're more, they're, they're more worried about, you know, I want, to, I want them to see me. Look at all I'm doing. I mean, I'm even tithing this little thing, man. Look how holy I am. How good am I? And they're leaving off the weightier matters of the law. Because see, people don't know about that. So they're, they're, they're hiding that. And notice this too. Jesus says something very interesting there. He says, You've omitted the weightier matters of the law, which are judgment, mercy, faith. And then he says, These ought ye to have done, and not to leave the other undone. Both are important, but one is more important. And that thing that's more important is the internal, what's inside, the heart. They were playing a part in their show of religion like a veteran master actor They cared about their image before men and cared not about the devotion to God. Why do we care so much about our image? Why do we care so much about what people think? I think that, I think a lot about that. You know, I've struggled with that all my life, I guess. I mean, and why? And I pray to the Lord and, you know, I, I told the Lord, I'm not doing this anymore. Not, not this time. You know, the brother prayed and asked prayer for me and said, give him freedom to preach. That was the very thing I was thinking about. Because I don't want to be bound up in some kind of image that I have. I've got to be free to preach the truth. In the Word of God. But even as I was walking up here, I'm thinking, Lord, help me. I, not this time. I'm not, I'm not, 
This is not going to be about me. We need to get over ourselves. We're not all that. I mean, we're not, we're here to serve the Lord. In Mark 7, 6, Jesus says this, Well hath Isaiah prophesied of you hypocrites, as it is written, This people honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Howbeit in vain, in vain, do they worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. You know, when you do something as a show, it's in vain. You know, somebody can play a part. Let's say in a movie, you know, you see somebody playing a part as some football star or something. You know, they're not really that thing. When the movie's over, it's all done. The movie's going to be over. And you'll stand before God. And so it's in vain. Unless our heart is right, if we're coming at this thing as men pleasers with an image to protect, we're, we're, we're operating in so much vanity. I mean, we, we don't even understand it. Now, the prophecy that Jesus is quoting there from, from Mark 7 is not only a prophecy, but it's historical because it was also spoken through Isaiah to the people of his time as, as well as when Jesus said it to the people in his time. And, and that's found in Isaiah 29, 13. And there it says it like this, and their fear toward me, God says, their fear toward me is taught by the precept of men. It's basically the same thing, but it kind of sheds a little bit more light on. In other words, what fear they have of God comes from the commandments of men. So it's in vain. It's diluted. It's not real. They're pretending. What fear they have of me, he says, comes from the teachings of man, not from my word. So their ideas about God, their concepts about God, their so-called fear and worship of God was merely superficial. And you don't have to read the Bible very long to know. It's elementary that God is not interested in superficial devotion. Shallow, external-only devotion. He desires truth in the inward parts, according to Psalm 51, 6. God desires genuine faith and devotion. And God deserves genuine faith and devotion. The list of hypocrites in the Bible is quite long. And it's not a list that we want to be associated with. But when we play the hypocrite, we are. When we're men pleasers, we are. Cain, who feigned to worship God and brought a superficial sacrifice. His motive was to show off his ability as a farmer. Instead of giving honor to God, he played the game of religion. He then murders his brother, Abel, and his hypocrisy is increased because God asks him, where is thy brother? And he lies and says, I don't know. 
Am I my brother's keeper? Lying to the face of God in hypocrisy. Are we our brother's keeper? We ought to be. We love each other. God forbid if something is going on in your life and someone asks, well, what's going on with so-and-so? And I'm like, I don't know. Absalom in 2 Samuel 15 kisses his father David while simultaneously plotting his death and overthrow. Joab embraces Amasa while Amasa returns the embrace. Joab sticks a dagger between his ribs and takes his life. Judas, the chief of hypocrites, kisses Jesus on the cheek as he is plotting to turn him over to other hypocrites who are going to bring him to the cross of death. Lying to the face of God while Jesus tells him, you betray the Son of Man with a kiss. Judas was an actor putting on a show. A man named Simon in Acts chapter 8 who it says there he believed and was baptized. But then later it reveal, it's revealed that his motives were wicked when he offered money for the power of the Holy Ghost. His motive was money and popularity. And Peter tore his mask off and exposed his hypocrisy. At least with this man, I can say, Simon, it is possible that he repented. I don't know, but he does say in verse 24, he asked Peter to pray for him. So this is not a list we want to be on. We don't even want to be associated with it. And what about the hypocrisy that we can clearly see all around us today? Politicians using God for political gain. They want the evangelical vote, so they'll go on the circuit, going to churches, saying prayers, hypocrisy. I was talking to my wife just the other day, and we were talking about political things, and you know, I, I was getting kind of upset. And I said, it came to, I, I, I realized, no one else is coming to save us. Only Jesus. It don't matter. I mean, of course, you know, we vote and we want at least somebody who's not going to try to kill us, I guess. But they're not going to, nothing's going to change. They're not going to save us. No one's coming. Save the Lord. But He's coming to set everything right. And the Bible tells us, friends, that we're not to be like the wicked servant. It says, oh, my master ain't coming today. He delays his coming. We're supposed to every day, look, is it going to be today? Lord, come on, I'm ready. What about the pastors, so-called, and the leaders of the churches? Teaching the doctrines of men and abusing the word of God. Manipulating millions to follow them. When I see a, a, a popular pastor, you know, you want to double check. Make sure that man, look at what he's preaching and, and what he's teaching. 
Because woe unto you when the world speaks well of you. Paul tells Timothy in 1 Timothy 4, The Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies in hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. Hypocrisy throughout the Bible, hypocrisy throughout history, it's a big deal, it's a big problem. This issue of hypocrisy is a real danger that we must be aware of, and that starts within ourselves, within this church. In the start of Matthew 6, let's go back to Matthew 6. In the start of Matthew 6, the Lord is warning us not to play this religious game. Not to be men pleasers, not to put on a show. If you're going to be an unbeliever and go to hell not caring, rejecting the Lord, then do that thing. Go all out. Don't pretend that you're loving Jesus and following God and that you're a Christian. Don't pretend. But if you're going to be a Christian, if you're going to love the Lord, and I hope to God that all of us here would, then go do that thing. Go all out. Jesus said, He who is not for me is against me. Hypocrisy is an ugly and abominable thing. And the Bible describes it as such throughout. It is described in Matthew 13 as the tares that grow among the wheat, looking identical but having no substance. In Matthew 7, as the wolf in sheep's clothing. In 2 Peter 2.17, as a well without water. When one who thirsts comes to it, there's a promise and a hope of that thirst being satisfied. But when the bucket is put down in the well and drawn back up, there's nothing but dry dirt. Empty. It's described in 1 Thessalonians 2.5 as a cloak to cover sin. Now that one's pretty direct. A cloak to cover sin. Don't want your sin to be exposed, and so you put on a play. You put on a mask. You, you dress up in a part. So back in Matthew 6, Jesus says, Take heed. Take heed. Or you could say, Beware. This is not light language here. This is serious. Take heed. So this is no small matter. And it invokes uh, one thing is self-examination. 
It's a huge issue because there is a real and present danger of the tendencies of our flesh to put on, to, to care about our image above God's holiness. And that is a sad thing. I mean, that's a that's committing treason against. That's a, that's being a traitor. But there's a real present danger even with us. And once you start down the road of hypocrisy, it spirals out of control. Because then you don't want you know you 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 put up this image, then you have to maintain it, don't you? It gets out of control real fast. In order to not start down that path, you need to be transparent with one another. We need to be transparent with one another. That's why church is local. You know that? That's why it ought to be local. Because we need to be knowing each other. That's a guard against hypocrisy. We have a responsibility toward God to take heed and beware of this thing called hypocrisy. Now, he says, don't do thine alms before men to be seen of them. Do not sound a trumpet before thee. He says, as the hypocrites do. I mean, what a ridiculous scene. I mean... I'm about to give something, I'm about to, you know, help the poor or do a righteous deed, and I sound a trumpet. Everybody look at me. I mean, I don't know. I don't know if they were, you know, actually doing that or if it's most likely it's doing that in a more subtle way. Like putting yourself in a position to be seen. I mean, that's just. Jesus paints a real ridiculous picture there. Like I'm carrying a trumpet around and I'm just blowing it. Hey, everybody, look at me. I'm getting ready to do some kind of religious deed. The word alms that's used here is elimosune. And it is a mercy, a pity as exhibited in giving to charity. Uh, Number two, a donation to the poor. The principle here is Righteous religious acts. Do not your righteousness, you could say, before men. But the word there is actually alms. Okay, that's the one example that he gives. But it's not limited to that is the point. The Sermon on the Mount is putting forth the true standard of righteous. You know, I've said that almost every time I've gotten up here preaching uh, in this series. The Sermon on the Mount is putting forth a true standard of righteousness. And Jesus, in doing that, is exposing the hypocrisy of the Pharisees. That they're hypocrites. And their standard of righteousness is only a show. It's pseudo-righteousness. In chapter 5, Jesus exposes the hypocrisy in their teachings. But in chapter 6... He switches gears and he's showing the hypocrisy in their living. You see that in in Matthew 5 from verse 21 to 48. It hath been said... 
when I say unto you. He's exposing the hypocrisy, the, the superficial uh, righteousness that they have. And in, in Matthew 6 here, he begins exposing the hypocrisy in their living. He's saying, your theology is inadequate and hypocritical. And your religious practice is inadequate and hypocritical. Both must be genuine. Remember when Jesus said from Matthew 23, I pointed out, he said, you left off the weightier matters of the law, these, but these also you should have done. So it's both. It must, both must be genuine. Both must be in line with God's word. You have Christians today that get trapped on one side or another. In fact, it's quite popular today for many professing Christians to leave off theology and doctrine, totally. I saw one of the, um, the books back there, the table talk. Uh, it said something about what doctrineless Christianity is mindless. But it's popular just to leave off theology and doctrine altogether. It's popular among the hip contemporary churches just to sort of have a religionless Christianity. To make everything spiritual and take a view of saying, you know, doctrine's not that important. We just love Jesus. But you can't love Jesus without true theology. And the reason that is because you, you can't know who He is without true theology. So you can't really love Him. Then there's the other side that makes their Christianity only about what they do in a moralistic sense. They may know a lot of Scripture and can quote it, and they may check all the boxes every day. Pray, do Bible study, go to church, pay tithe, etc. But they have little concern of true devotion. That is of the heart. You've got to have a balance. Both, Jesus says, are important. But one is more important. Don't get the horse before the cart. Now Jesus makes a contrast later in chapter 6, in verses 19 through 20, where He says here, He says, Lay not up for yourselves treasures on earth, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. That's a contrast because, you see, that's what the Pharisees were doing. That's what the hypocrites do. They're laying, for their, they're, they're laying up for themselves treasures on earth. They're concerned about what people think of them and what they look like. And so, I mean, they really, they've got the treasures on earth. I mean, everybody thinks well of them. I mean, they're, they look good. They seem real smart. They're the ones that people you know, want to be around. That's what the Pharisees were doing. That's what hypocrites do. They're, they have treasures on earth, but not in heaven. They exchange, they exchange the godly for the worldly, the earthly treasure for the heavenly. It says in another way in verse 2, uh, back here in uh, chapter 6, Jesus says this, Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. They, they have their reward. Listen, I don't want my reward to be from men. I don't, 
y'all really don't have anything that good to give me. I mean, I like you guys. I love you, but it ain't nothing compared to what God has in store for us. Now, Jesus don't just talk about hypocrisy of the Pharisees. But he also talks about the hypocrisy of the world. Look at verse 47 of chapter 5. Where he says, And if you salute your brethren only, what do ye more than others? Do not even the publican so. Or it might say, the heathen. That's what the world does. That's the hypocrisy of the world. What do ye more than others? Are you hypocrite just like them? In verse 7 of chapter 6, he says, When you pray, do not use vain repetitions like the heathen do. This issue of hypocrisy, you know, the world's given over to it. And because the, and, and when I said earlier that the, it's a tragic thing that the confessing church has been made, it has become ashamed of the gospel. You know, the tenets and the principles of the gospel, they're unacceptable to the world because they make a division. The world's religion is humanism. And that is, let's all get together. You know, let's, you know it don't matter. Your truth can be your truth. Uh, believe what you want to believe. And that's what I was talking about. When, that, when you see that church sign that says, all welcome, come on in, they've already compromised the gospel on that principle. Because the gospel makes a clear, definitive division. It does it there with the religious, and it does it with the so-called non-religious, with the heathen. You, you, you guys know the, you know, you see this woke leftist ideology, and it doesn't even make sense. It, I mean, what they believe contradicts something else they say. It's total hypocrisy. Just, just like the, the religious one who puts on a show. The truth is that every religious system, no matter what it's called, aside from the truth of God's Word, is substandard and hypocritical. The hypocrisy of the world knows no bounds. The president the other day got up on a podium and he condemned the murder of babies by Hamas. This is the man who himself and his party champions the murder of babies through abortion. Hypocrisy. We need to be consistent in what we say. Even when we're pushed. Because we're being pushed. I'm telling you guys right now, we're being pushed at this moment. You think we're safe in these walls, and we may be, but when you go out into this world, you're being pushed. You're being pushed in a subtle way to compromise on the Word of God. You're being pushed in a subtle way to compromise the gospel. And young people, I mean, I feel sorry for you in some way. This world system is one big machine that's geared toward distracting you and pulling you away from the Lord Jesus. Isn't it funny? Isn't it interesting that people look for salvation in everything else but in the one who can really save? 
I mean, they talk about today, uh, they want to bring people out from under Christianity because it's, it's bondage. It's, you know, it's, you need to be free to exercise your will, they say, and God is just holding you down. When all the while, that's the exact opposite because Jesus said, who the Son sets free is free indeed. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. It's, a, it's built on lies and hypocrisy, the world is, and so is the... Uh, and, and what I mean, the confessing church, so many are ashamed of the gospel, friends, because when they're pressed on an issue that the Bible makes clear and defines in such a clear way, oh, I can't say that. I can't, you know, that's, that's, we just love them and pray for them. You know, in one way, Jesus was loving the Pharisees in Matthew 23 when he, he rebuked them to the hilt. He could have just been like, man, forget you. Do what you want to do. Go to hell. He didn't. He told them like it was. And then he even says, did y'all catch that part where he said in, in, in chapter 23 when he said, blind Pharisee, wash the inside of the cup and platter, and then thou will be clean. That's a call to repentance, isn't it? But then they say that's not loving. The world has convinced us that this message isn't loving or... They're trying to convince us to be ashamed of the gospel when it is the only thing. It is the power of God unto salvation. The truth is it. There's only one Savior coming, and that's the Lord Jesus. They're, they're, the politicians aren't going to be able to build a utopian society. They treat church like a business. You know, they, they say, uh, you know, all welcome and just come on in. And that's so opposite of the church in Acts. When they, when Ananias and Sapphira lied to the Holy Spirit, God struck them dead. I want to go to Acts chapter 5 real quick. Okay, let me pick up in verse 10. This is when uh, Sapphira, and then fell she down straightway at his feet and yielded up the ghost. And the young men came in and found her dead and carrying her forth, buried her by her husband. And great fear, verse 11, came upon all the church and upon as many as heard these things. And by the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought among the people, and they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. And of the rest, there's no man join himself to them. The church wasn't out there trying to peddle and pander to the beliefs and principles of the world. It says no man dared join them. They were afraid. I'm not going in there. But then look what it says after that. In verse 14. And believers were the more added to the Lord. Multitudes both of men and women. See what happens when you don't pander to the world? See what happens when you refuse to play the hypocrite? 
We think we can figure it out and do it a better way. I don't, we shouldn't say all are welcome. We should tell people to come to Christ. We must uphold and walk in God's standard, which is the opposite of hypocrisy. So I'm going to put forth a question, the same one I put forth to myself. What is our motives? What are we putting to God? Are we putting on a show? Are we storing up for ourselves riches on earth? to be admired by men? The great evangelist George Whitfield said, let the world forget the name George Whitfield. Remember Christ. Do we care more about our image to our peers? Or do we really care about our heart before a holy God? Well, friends, this is a rebuke to me, to you, to all professing Christians. Man, I wish my old pastor was here. Because these words from Jesus, every Christian needs to take seriously and to heart. To beware of hypocrisy. Well... I would to God that I could preach hard enough to really stir people up to to, to sincerely consider these things. And, but only the Holy Spirit can do that. I know that. But He uses means. And I pray the Lord that He will continue to lead us and invoke us to be genuine in every single way that we serve Him. Well, God bless you.